Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Harness Sayadar and Sayadeen. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. How's it going, independent fantasy readers and publishers out there? This is Stephen with a special episode of Phantology. I'm joined today by Randall McNally, the author of Shadowless, which is a independently published work that I just had the pleasure of reading. So how's it going, Randall? Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, no, pleasure all mine. Good for having me on. Thank you. And uh, you're coming from Ireland, right? Yeah, yeah, sunny Ireland. Um, right on the other side of the, the Atlantic. So I just finished Shadowless uh, not too long ago. It took me um, a little bit to actually get started as last year we were kind of recapping a bunch of popular books. And then now we're getting into the first of our authors series. We're going to try to do these monthly, um, independently published things uh, to, to start off, try to do a bit of a, a writer's lift type of thing on Twitter. So thank you so much for agreeing to be the guinea pig. Well, hopefully sure. this goes well. <laughs> yeah, no problems. Okay, so Shadowless, I'm going to say, is one of the more unique books, more unique fantasy books that I have read. And I think it's mostly due to the structure. So we're not going to do too many spoilers for the actual content of the book. But uh, high level, Shadowless has 20 chapters. And each chapter is almost a short story in of itself. And there's a different main POV character. They kind of start crossing over once you get towards more of the climax, the end of the book. It's a really interesting way to structure it. And I think uh, I think it works. I think it's kind of cool because as you get into it, you're like, okay, you know, we're, we're, we're exploring the world from all these different perspectives. And then it comes together for the big climax. And there's a lot of payoffs towards the end of the book. So uh, that's kind of what I tell people when I've been, t- when I've been telling people I'm reading this uh this independent book and it's it's unique. That's kind of my pitch to people. Like, hey, if you want to read a fantasy book that's a little bit different than your typical structure, uh, this is the one. How do you pitch your book, Randall? Uh, so Shadowless isn't like other books. Um, its chapters aren't in sequence and they're not in chronological order. Uh, and, and it's yeah, a real, that as well. It, it's a real slow burner, um, but I think necessarily so. So you know, without going into um, any spoilers. If I had a had gods ripping down cities in the first chapter, then there's nowhere really you can go from there, you know. Okay. Yeah. 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 So the, the first chapter is like a coming of age story where a a boy um, discovers he has no shadow. He asks his uncle why, and and he, and he's told um, why he has no shadow and what the consequences of that are. The second chapter introduces some of the main villains of the story, the uh, the high priests and the shadow watchers, and, and what their motives are. Uh, the third chapter will introduce um, Amradan, who's probably one of the main protagonists, and how he keeps appearing and weaving his way through the narrative. And then, of course, you know, chapter four, you know, touches on the, the gods themselves. So these are the, the four main elements of the, the story, and, and I, I couldn't really 
put them all into one chapter, it would have been information overload. Um, so, so what it does, what Shadowless does, is it it drip feeds information to the reader. Um, it gives the reader the, the pieces of the puzzle and asks them to to work it out for themselves. Um, what it doesn't do is it doesn't put everything on the plate and and, and spoon feed the reader. So it, it is definitely, definitely a, a slow burner. Yeah, and and readers of modern fantasy do not want a uh, a spoon fed thing, right? We don't we don't like the info dumps anymore. We we like to be able to try to have these complex narratives where we are the ones, you know, the, the onus is on the reader to figure it out. And I, I yeah, I, I agree. I think it does a really good job. I, I think you did a good job with that. Yeah, like like I said, it's not in chronological order. So if you hear in chapter four that that someone a character has died and then that character uh, appears in chapter twelve, then then you have to join the dots. You have to say okay, chapter 12 was actually, we're going back in time and we're reading about how this character may or may not have died. Um, and, 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 you know, Stephen, it, it doesn't work for everybody. Um, I've had a few people who said they, they just had to put it down and, and DNF it did not finish, but hopefully it's, it's unique. I mean, it, it, hasn't been, it hasn't been completely panned by any of the critics or reviewers and, and it has got some positive feedback and that it's um, original. Yeah, and I've seen uh, you're, you're fairly active on Twitter, so I, I've I've seen a lot of uh, some some different reviews that I know you've retweeted, and and yeah, it's nice to see some some positive buzz out there. So uh, let's see. Before we talk too much more about the book, tell me more about uh, kind of yourself, your background with fantasy. What are some of your favorite books, and what inspired you to write? Well, I grew up watching films like um, Clash of the Titans and Jason of the Argonauts. Um, I read, I don't know if you, you have them in, in the States, they're the Peter Jackson fighting fantasy books. They're the ones where if you go left, you turn to page 34, and if you go right, you turn to page 72. Oh, yeah, those are fun. Those yeah. are fun when I was a kid, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I grew up reading those types of books. Um, uh-huh. and I, I played games like Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter Nights and, and other online um, RPGs. Okay. Um, I, I read a lot of Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, and Hobbit, obviously, the Dragonlance Chronicles and Dune by Frank Herbert and his Dark Materials and um, a lot of HP Lovecraft, a lot of Call of Cthulhu. Um, okay. So yeah, okay. it just made sense that you know they say that you should maybe write what you know. So so I ended up writing uh, fantasy. Yeah, I feel like all of those influences, I can kind of see how those all have affected Shadowless in different ways. W- one of the strongest, obviously, being like a Greek mythology type of thing where you have demigods in shadowless yeah absolutely i mean the idea for shadowless was was rolling around in my head for a while um to my knowledge there isn't anything out there like it um or at least if there is i I haven't come across it uh i was always fascinated with the idea of gods meddling in the the affairs of mortals like i said you know i'm a huge fan of of clash of the titans uh, the original the one with um laurence olivier and, and maggie smith uh, and what Shadowless does is it it takes Clash of the Titans and takes it one step further and maybe puts a, a dark twist on it. Yeah, there are certainly some darker elements uh, to the book. I, I saw a review in, uh, I think, Grimdark magazine or, or one a, a site similar to that. So uh, was that a de- I'm assuming that was a decision you had to make if how what uh, kind of uh, tone how, yeah. when you decided to put in that darker tone? How did you decide that? Yeah, um, 
it was I wanted to make it um, as realistic as possible, as realistic as can be um, when gods and dragons are involved. Uh, it is, it is, it is grimdark. I mean, it is the subgenre of um, fantasy of grimdark. Uh, bad things happen in the book, and yes, some people, some of the main characters even die. But I would rather have that than have something like a, a soap opera, you know, where, where everyone has plot armor and, and nothing okay. bad ever happens. Um, th- there are some of the elements of the book which, which are um, for a more mature audience. So uh, what was the process of writing like for you? And, and just kind of talk about how long did it take you to write the book? What was the publishing landscape like? How did you decide to self-publish? And what's it been like since then? The book itself took two years to write and three years to produce from start to finish. I'm not a full-time writer. Um, I'm a project manager for an IT firm in Ireland. So I had to write in evenings. I had to write at the weekends um, on holidays. Uh, so that's probably why it, it took so long. It's also a longer book. I mean, you, you're pumping out over 500 pages here. So uh, three years for full-time authors. I mean, that that's not bad at all. Yeah, it was um, it was a, a tough process, definitely. I haven't really written anything before Shadowless. Uh, so the only reason I got into writing was because I was in a, a job a few years back that I, I didn't particularly like. And writing was a, a bit of escapism. So I, I didn't set out to write a book. I just set out to write a few uh, short stories. Um, so one was based in the, the frozen north, another one was based on a jungle, another one in a city. So when the idea for Shadowless came about, then I had to go back and rewrite some of the chapters in order to make it, it all connect. But uh, I think it's worked. Okay. I, and I, that kind of touches at another thing I wanted to ask you about. There are a lot of different settings in Shadowless and I think this is another one of the stronger elements of the book is just the world building in general. You have a really large map and I think almost every different area is touched on uh, in, in some of the different short stories. So how did you come up with all of these different settings and how did you decide that you wanted to have, I guess, such a sprawling landscape? Because some some epic fantasies kind of keep it to one area in the first book or, or they will journey around i guess the decision to just cover the whole uh continent in the first book that must have been something that uh, you had to juggle yeah the, the map is um the map something else <laughs> it was it was done on, on photoshop and took about 200, okay. 250 hours it looked like yeah it looks like a lot of work did you and and you made that as well yeah I had to take out a, a Photoshop subscription, and the map keeps changing. So if if something goes on, <laughs> if something goes on in the book, and a character has to be between two cities in four days, and those cities are six days away, then one of the cities has to get moved and come closer yeah, to the yeah, other. Yeah. yeah uh, so the the book itself is set in uh, uh, the northern realms, and uh, it's it's like a supercontinent. It's it's frozen tundra in the north and jungles in the south and, and deserts whatever in between. So yeah, I didn't really want to restrict myself to just one one um, environment. Um, I think that you have to maybe set the different characters in in realms or situations which they're 
they're going to necessarily be found almost like natural habitats. So um, chapter three, Cayenne Felstrom, her her powers are all based around you know the elements, the snow and cold and ice. So right. it didn't it didn't make sense to to set her chapter in a desert. Um, Tundra Evergreen is essentially a ranger type character, so he had to be in the the deep jungles or the deep uh, woods. Okay. So was it the the powers that were set first, and then because of that, kind of the the landscape and the settings evolved, or was it just kind of back and forth between the two? I think for a book this size, uh, you have to have a a map. It's it's okay, you know, describing these places, giving them names, telling people what they're like and what their laws, mm-hmm. religion are. But unless they can see it, I don't think it really makes much sense. So if you look at all the the most successful fantasy genres, they all have a map. You know, Tolkien had Middle Earth, George R. R. Martin had Westeros. Uh, so there there has to be something tangible that and as you rightly say, you know, there's twenty chapters, each one probably set in a different place. But what by including a map, what the reader is able to do is he's able to refer to the first page of the book which has the map on it and then you know find out um, where that character is in the world and i'll say not only is the map really cool and like you say there's jungle and tundra and desert but then when you go into the cities themselves some of these cities have some pretty unique concepts to them i think my favorite are there are these two kind of neighboring sister cities stormhaven and tarantium mm-hmm. and stormhaven is really noble and Tarantum is very corrupt, and there's this uh, intricate lift system between the two that takes you back from the the under, uh, you know, the subterranean area to the the heights. And uh, I mean, I was really involved in the uh, setting from just one chapter of reading about these things. So uh, props there. I think that is definitely one of the selling points of the book. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I went into a lot of detail. I had a few ideas for. You know, um, the real system in between the cities. Like I, I done astrophysics at university. Um, okay. So I, I had to come up with, um, you know, what angle would the the rail carts be able to, you know, in order to get them moved okay. in between. Okay. How would there be light underground? So you would have to introduce water and then bring in, you know, phosphorescent plankton or or algae. That would glow and, and let the people people say so so yeah it worked yeah i love having these conversations because you you peel back the layers and you realize like okay he didn't just put this in and say it and, and figure it would work there's there's a lot of thought that goes into all this to actually make it work maybe if it actually existed in real life <laughs> yeah yeah uh, okay i wanted to ask are you more of an outliner or a discovery writer i'm gonna hazard a guess to be that you're much more of an outliner, like you have 20 chapters, you've got all these characters and structures and and this huge map. And so I'm guessing this was all set up pretty well, but there must have been some element to where you put the characters out there and then you just kind of, were you ever surprised by things that the characters chose to do as you were writing them? Uh, so I guess the question is, um, is it a plotter or a pantser? Um A plotter okay, okay. is everything and then a pantser types by the well, seat of his pants. At the start, okay. everything. At the start, everything was just off the cuff. Uh-huh. I, was, I, was, I didn't have anything. You know, I had a, a blank canvas, and anyone could do anything. The longer it went on, 
then I had to start plotting because, like I say, if if a character or a bunch of characters had to make a journey and only had a week to get there, then point A and point B had to be a week apart. You know, they couldn't be any any less um, or, or, or any more, rather. So I did have, uh, like I say, I'm a project manager at the minute, so I do have um, uh, software tools. Uh, the, uh-huh. the, and it let me keep track of people's whereabouts uh, and where okay. they are and <laughs> and what their ages are and and how long it takes for them to to travel in between um, destinations. I'm actually writing a sequel. Um, I'm halfway through the first draft of sequel. Oh, so nice. Okay. Halfway through. I wanted ten. to ask you about that. Yeah, I'm about ten chapters yeah. in of the. Um, but I'm I'm finding that I'm spending half my time rereading the first book to find out where these characters are, what they're doing, and trying to trying to make sure that there's no um, errors in terms of continuity. Yeah, yeah. That appears to be the curse of modern fantasy a little bit. I know, and uh, I, sometimes I tune into Brandon Sanderson's live streams, and there was one where uh, one of his assistants was showing this huge Excel sheet of every character and chapters and locations and it's like holy cow! How does anyone produce these books anymore on on this level? Just the yeah. you know the things you have to hold in your head or, or the detail you have to go into. Because if you make any continuity errors, people on Reddit are just going to blow it up and expose it. And yeah, it, it, that must be a ton of work. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of moving parts, and there's a lot of characters and a lot of supporting characters in in Shadowless. So I keep a list of names. And if I go to name someone, um, I make sure that that name hasn't been already taken. And you know, if if someone's in a if someone's in a city in the book, um, in, the, in the second in the sequel, then there's a good chance that they might bump into someone um, from the the first book. You know, so uh-huh. it's, it's it's good to put things like that in. I know that one reviewer said when he was re- reviewing the book about maybe ten or twelve times he sat back and ah oh, okay. That's why that happened three chapters ago. You know, kind of, there is several moments in the, the book where, you know, light bulbs should go off that you know, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, those are really nice payoff moments. I, I also noticed it, that there are a few times, I don't know, I don't know if I caught 10 or 12, but uh, there were at least a few times for me, it was like, oh, you know, there, there they are. That's why, you know, there was one time where, uh, you know, the knight comes out of, a uh that uh oh, curiosity that shop yeah yeah the yeah. curiosity shop with an object that was uh-huh. uh, you know used in the previous chapter yeah. and he was just kind of referred to and so then you see connections like that uh yeah th- those moments are always fun that those are just like small little payoffs that uh I'll make you want to keep on reading yeah so, okay, so you've got at least, I mean, you have more than 20 characters, but you have 20 chapters, and for the most part, every chapter is, is focused on a different viewpoint character. Yeah. So, which of the 20 characters is your favorite? Is it Amrodam? It's it's not. I, I don't know if I'm meant to have a favorite, but I do have a soft spot for um, Clanatar, Clanatar Novastus. Okay. The, the plague, the plague lord. Interesting choice. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know why. Um, no one in the book talks like Clanatar talks. 
uh, and no one acts the way Clantar acts. Um, I don't know. He's also, without giving um, too much away, he's also the only shadowless character who's um, found a way of contacting yeah. the god who fathered him. So um, he, he does stand out from the, the crowd. Yeah, for the most part, he's got a little different motivation than most of our main shadowless characters <laughs> yeah um I, I tried to avoid the the cliches of writing heroes and villains uh-huh but but clanatar is essentially a, an evil character and and i don't know you know maybe i i grew up rooting for the joker and lax luther and and the green goblin <laughs> and, and again one of the like i said there's a lot of moving parts in the book one of the, the main concepts is that the shadowless characters get more powerful um, as they get older, so their, their their power kind of wells up, you know, as they age. And Clanatar is one of the, the oldest of the Shadowless characters. So, yeah, there's some good elements to this magic system you have, where the Shadowless characters are the offspring of the gods, and and they can, as such, manifest some magical powers. Kind of varies depending on. I'm assuming depending on who their their father is mm-hmm. and uh you know associated with the aspect of that god and then as they get older there's also an element of like if there's multiple sons or daughters of the god and then if if a uh, if a son or daughter is killed then you can then uh, get some of their power so mm-hmm. so then the yeah. sibling becomes more powerful and then the gods themselves want to kill their children in order to suck their power back in as the children have gotten older so i i really like it because it kind of it kind of works right like there are some some hard rules here and then uh, there's some a lot of ability there to explore i mean you you have the ability as the author to make the the children's powers you know vary uh, based off of strength and and uh specific power to some extent and you you do this really well there's a lot of different types i mean we almost have like the full range of of all the x-men here with all their different powers Uh, were there any powers that you liked more than others like what were some of your favorites sounds like the plague uh bringing power was a favorite (laughs) yeah yeah you touched on it you're you're 100 right all the the shadowless power all the shadowless characters have a power which which i've tried to the base around the god that fathered them, fathered them. It didn't always work out that way, but in general, it does. But, but I don't want them to be. You know, this isn't the Avengers set in um, medieval times. You know, uh-huh. one of the characters can only turn invisible if he runs really fast. Um, another can only use their power on on the three days of the month whenever the moon. As, is at its um, brightest and fullest. So, yes, yes. Yeah, so I, I didn't want it to be the X-Men, you know, in medieval time. But yeah, some of them are, um, some of the powers are uh, interesting. One of the characters, Willow Firthrack, um, is based around sound. Um, so she can, you know, scream and shatter glass or almost mm-hmm. like, you know, a sonic roar. Um, and she can, you know, negate sound around her. Uh, so yeah, you know, being uh, coming from a, a science, science background, a bit of thought did go into them. Um, you know, it wasn't just I didn't just come up with them um, on the spot. I, I did actually research them and and think them nice. through. Yeah, and there's a lot of appetite for that nowadays. People like to have the harder magic system, 
thank you, Brandon Sanderson, but that's just kind of how modern fantasy is working for a lot of folks these days. <laughs> I'm going to say my favorite character, I, I went down to two. I, I really liked uh, Valen or, or Valen, uh, how uh-huh. you say it, and, uh, and Kurt. Valen is the one that you just referenced that can, uh, he's an assassin. Yeah. And uh, he's he's our invisible guy. And Kurt, uh, if I understood this right, was basically just super strong yeah. and an excellent fighter. Yeah, that's it. I, you know, everything in the book has been, it's been kind of taken, you know, the inspiration has been taken from from something. Um, it's not too difficult to work out where the inspiration from Kurt comes from. Uh, if you've ever seen the film Gladiator. That's what I, yep, Gladiator. Definitely. There is, a, uh-huh, there is uh-huh. there's a, a huge guy in Gladiator uh, who's one of the, the other the other gladiators in the film and and that that's that's where the inspiration from from kurt came from you know yeah you know all the other shadowless characters can maybe blend into the crowd and and their powers aren't on show all the time but kurt is is seven foot tall and quarter of a ton um so he (laughs) you know his, his powers are there for all to see okay so you spent three years writing shadowless and you finished the book did you feel out the traditional publishing route did you think uh like like what was your i guess what was your goal going in uh did you try the whole agent route or anything like that or or did you think uh self-publishing was the way uh self-publishing wasn't an option i didn't self-publish as an option i self-published option i self-published through lack of option i i went around i contacted 20 agents and 10 publishers and the, the ones that came back to me all said the same thing, Stephen. They all said, um, a great concept, love the idea, strong writing, but just not what we're looking for at the minute. Okay. And so no one wanted huh. to take no one wanted to take a punt on it. What what are they looking for then? I mean, Grimdark is popular, hard magic systems are popular, fantasy is popular. Yeah. Well, you say it's popular. Um if you go into a bookstore, maybe I think you guys have is it Barnes and Noble? In yeah, States? yeah. If you go into a bookstore, then the women's literature section is maybe twenty times bigger than the fantasy. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. And, and I guess I guess I was just focusing on the fantasy genre. I'm, I'm way too involved in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're right. Um, they weren't willing to take a punt on it, so it was either keep the book on my hard drive or publish it myself. Um, so I I published, I, I went down the route of um, publishing it myself. I would have definitely went with a publisher um, had one have been interested, but but they weren't. You know, but I, I think it turned out well. Um, people have said that Shadowless looks like a, a professional um, book, you know, professional published book. And, and if that's the case, then it's because I hired professionals all throughout the process. You know the the proofreader um, had ten years experience and had won awards mm. for her work. Okay. Um, the copy editor uh, was a retired English lecturer, a university English lecturer. Uh, the formatting was done by a graphic design company in Kentucky, and the the cover was done by a professional digital artist in the Philippines. So really, the only you know, ironically, the only person who didn't know what they were doing. Um, producing the book was me 
<laughs> it was it was my debut book, so. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Well, now you're an. I mean, now you are a professional. Now you're the you're the author. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Don't know about that, but yeah, thanks. <laughs> so these are all just different folks who kind of do some freelance work that you're able to find. Well, I mean, they had to. I had to source them. Um, I had to go on and, and find out who who did it and um, read reviews and and mm. contact them. Okay. Everything in self-publishing costs money, Stephen, and and these people weren't cheap. If I if I'd known just how much it was going to cost, I might have had second thoughts about ever ever going down the self-publishing route because it's okay. <laughs> it's it's not it's not cheap, definitely not. And there's hidden costs, you know. Um, in the UK, the ISBN numbers on the back of the book. They cost like 150. Well, they would cost 200 dollars for for to register your book. Yeah. Then to register yeah. it, um, like I say, the the map keeps changing, and you can't buy Photoshop as a software tool. You have to pay a a subscription. Yeah. yeah. So it's like 15 or 20 dollars a month for three years. So you know, it's mm. the costs definitely do add up. I mean, I, I would never try and talk anyone out of ever writing a book. Um, I think it's a great experience and I've definitely learned a lot from it. But what I would say to any any prospective author going down the self-publishing route is is do your research and and think um, long and hard about, about how much you want to spend on it. Because books are like a, a money pit. You can you can just shovel money into them and see very little in return. Yeah, I've I've heard somewhat of the same advice from other authors, kind of more along the veins of, you know, look, if you're really passionate about being an author, then don't necessarily put all your eggs in that basket in terms of like making a bunch of money. Like if you're a, if you're a fantasy author that is able to make enough money to be full time and make a good living, you're doing really, really well. And uh, for the most part, it, it just becomes a passion project for a lot of people. Yeah, it is. Um, very few authors make enough money in order to 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 make a living off it. I I had I had I thought I had most of the angles covered. Um, the the formatting and the the typesetting and the the cover artist, the proofreader. I had um, beta readers. The one thing I I hadn't accounted for was PR or you know make people aware of it. And um, yeah. when I when I uploaded it onto Amazon, I think it had one sale in the first month, <laughs> and and after spending quite uh-huh, a bit of money uh-huh. on it, um, and, and you know, I, th- I knew the person who bought it was the worst thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh-huh. so yeah, um, when, yeah. When when the sales don't happen, then it's it really is um, it could be a bit crushing. So what was your approach for PR? I know you're pretty active on Twitter. I mean, I, I do send out a lot of tweets. I uh, there's a company in the UK who do um, physical physical print run. So I've I've got thirty or forty hardback copies of the book, and I I contact reviewers, you know, and and offer them a, a free a free copy in exchange for an honest review. And mm-hmm. and at the minute, that's where that's where maybe most of my reviews come from. And then you know appearing on you know maybe your show or um, getting a write up in Grim Dark Magazine, 
when something like that happens, then you do tend to see a spike in sales. But but the book is nowhere near having paid for itself yet. I, this is interesting because I, one of my life aspirations, we'll see if I ever get there. I would love to write something. I, I have some ideas, but I've, yeah, I've never, I've, I haven't really gotten too far into it. And you, you might be uh, making me second guess some of, some of this. <laughs> yeah. Like I say, I, I would never put anyone off writing a book. I, I think it's a great um, experience. Um, I enjoyed most of the process. I, I you know because of writing the book, um, I'm able to meet people like yourself, or I've met people that I would never meet ordinarily. But I would, I would give it, I would give it a lot of thought. Yeah, copy editors and proofreaders and graphic design companies and cover artists all, all cost money. Now, I probably could have went slightly cheaper and got, you know, I, I went out and tried to get the best people that I could. I could have probably went a little bit cheaper. Uh huh. And saved a bit of money, but I think the book would have suffered. It it may not have came across as professional as it did. So yeah, I would, I I would just um, earn the side of caution and and crunch the numbers before any anyone decides to go down. Yeah. To sub, to sub okay, public. so I'm not going to quit my job tomorrow and no. go <laughs> no. all in on writing. <laughs> no, I didn't quit my job either. Um, <laughs> writing's just a, a sideline. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. For, thanks for the info on the self-publishing. I always think that's an interesting topic. Yeah. I mean, look, look, if you can get an agent and you can get a, a publishing house behind you, then then great. You know. But for most writers who who can't uh, get it, and, and and like I say, you know, you go into any bookstore, sci-fi and fantasy section is 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 tiny compared to the the rest. So yeah, if you if you are gonna pick something. Then maybe have a look around. If you're doing it, you know, different people have different reasons um, for for writing. Um, but if you if you want to do it for money, don't write sci- fantasy or sci-fi. Is all I can advise. Well, so I man, I hope the genre keeps on. Uh, I feel like it's gained some steam in recent years. Obviously, Game of Thrones being on TV, I think that really helped the genre in general and hopefully if the wheel of time tv show does well lord of the rings is coming back uh netflix is making some fantasy shows i think tv i mean uh, i hate to say it but i I think you know the tv watchers probably do hopefully bleed into the book readers and uh, i just hope reading books doesn't become a a dying art as people just kind of get sucked more and more into the television yeah i think it's I don't think it'll ever ever go away completely. It does seem to be making a, a seismic move to, towards audiobooks, um, and I think that I would yes. I would like to find someone, and if there's someone out there listening to your podcast, then by all means contact me. Um, but I would like to to try and turn Shadowless into an audiobook. Yes, audiobooks, they are huge. I I do I do a few audiobooks. I mean. I, I try to have one that I'm listening to, one that I'm reading, the listening one being maybe more like I don't need all the details. And I'm reading uh, Ma's on Book of the Fallen right now, and I cannot listen to that. I, I have to read those because uh, they're just way too complex. But I, yeah, Shadowless is an audiobook. That needs to happen. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so going uh, going back to the book a little bit, I wanted to ask, have you heard any crazy theories or have people come to you with any ideas that have just... Like you've been really surprised at directions people have gone with what they've read. 
not in terms of the book, no. Like I say, it it hasn't it hasn't been panned by anybody so far. Some people just don't get it. Uh, like I say, there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts going on in the book. If I had to go back and I had to do one thing differently, they say you should never have two main characters with the same letter beginning with their names. I (laughs) didn't know that. I didn't find this out until maybe halfway through the book. And by then, Arfarius and Amradam were already well established. Yeah. But I have, some people maybe have paid as much attention to the book and and some people thought they were maybe the same one, the same person. Uh, So Yes, that would be confusing. (laughs) Yeah. I have had to explain to a few people. But but you know we, it, it's not the type of book that that just gives you everything on a plate. Like I say, you know you really have to be tuned in because if something happens in the book, it generally has happened for a reason, and you know it'll be either foreshadowing or something. Will, something will definitely happen. Okay, so that's a nice little rule of thumb that I hadn't heard before, but makes total sense. Or is there any other uh, feedback or anything you learned? after writing Shadowless that you didn't realize going into writing the book? No, most of it most of the, the feedback has been good. The people who the people who didn't finish it didn't finish it because of the structure. There's twenty chapters and in general each chapter deals with a different point of view, a different character. Now that that may sound a bit overload but you know in one of the earlier chapters we made um the only pair of twins in the book kurt and and yana so Uh even though the first chapter that we come across them is about kurt you know yana's chapter is a few chapters later so you know yes it is a different person but we've already met them you know having having 20 people it, it does sound like a lot but they kind of weave in and out of each other's chapter. So it sounds like your advice to readers would be, trust me, be patient a little bit. It is going to connect. But the, the beginning is a lot of, you know, like you say, it's a bit of a slow burn. And it's set up for some of these things that are coming down the line a little bit later. It is. It is definitely a slow burner. Um, it's 500 pages and it's a, you know, it's a beast of a book. But give it a chance and stick with it and it, it will... Um, it will make sense. So you're writing more. You're on the second book now. You said you're about halfway through. Um, how is that going? Is there I, is there a working title for it? Is that maybe that's still under wraps? Not not yet. There's there's not a, a working title. So uh, the last few pages of the book or the the epilogue, it's it picks up where that leaves off. Okay. And there's a big twist. We're not going to spoil the twist, but there's a yeah, big twist. There's a big twist. Towards the end. There's a couple big, larger twists, mysteries. Yeah. A little bit of a cliffhanger. Yeah. So the book picks up right where the the second book picks up, right where the first leaves off. Literally right where it leaves off. Okay. So the second book deals with the fallout of what happens in the first and what the response to the first is. Hopefully it hopefully it works. Um, if it doesn't, okay. I'm okay. sure there'll be people <laughs> who are willing to, to tell me. 
has your has your writing process changed at all from first to second? Has, have there been anything just based off of feedback that you've been given in general that you've uh, tried to make more of an effort as you write? Or yeah, every time I send um, a book to a reviewer, and I'll, I'll probably maybe do the same to you if you if you have time. Um, I send like a questionnaire of okay, yeah, certainly, certainly. So the the questionnaire is. Um, what worked, you know, what didn't work, you know, it, it kind of asks the reviewer who their favorite character was and, and what they liked and if the, the book was, you know, fast paced enough or, or what can be improved on. So I do, I do get feedback from, from most of the people, um, certainly all the reviewers that read it and I have, I have tried to make an effort to get better, I guess, at writing it and maybe improve and, and tweak a few things. But but yeah, it'll, it'll have the same format. It'll be 20 chapters and each chapter will be a different um, person. The one thing that is changing in the second book is not all the chapters are about shadowless people. Um, some of them are just normal people but they're they're affected by the the shadowless okay okay so so yeah hopefully it hopefully it works yeah i imagine one of the uh one of the more difficult things about uh being in your position is you've put you know your heart and soul into the book and and a sizable uh financial investment Mm -hmm. as well and then you'll get reviews some positive some negative and I'm just thinking, you know, if if I was that invested in this and this was my thing, you know, my baby that I've that I've created, and then people, you know, provide some negative feedback or some folks on the internet are not just a little heartless. Uh, yeah. There's probably been some some discouraging things as well. Has that been challenging at all? Yeah. Um, like I say, when I wrote the book, it was the first thing that I had written since maybe university. I had never done any creative writing before. Um, so the process was all new. And as much as you try and polish the book, there are going to be some errors that slip through. And there, there, there's maybe one or two instances of head hopping in the, in the opening chapters. Okay. I, I tried to, to try and go through and, and weed them out. Um, but I think one or two still got through. Meaning spots where the, the POV is kind of fluid. Yeah, you know, so not so much what people are thinking, but just ways that they react um, and how the other person um, perceives that. So one or two has got through, and yeah, one I I entered um, I entered in a, the book in a competition, and it it got to the semifinals, but didn't get to the final, and the reviewer who was re- reviewing it, um, one of the the judges who was reading it, uh, said that's the reason he didn't put it forward um, because there were maybe two instances of head hopping in a 500-page a, a book. Um, so, yeah, it was it was pretty hard to take. Um, and like, like I say, writing the second book, a lot of my time is spent going back and reading the first because there's a lot of characters and even I can't remember um, what they're like. So I have to go back and, and, you know, if some of them have different 
uh, idiosyncrasies or, or they use um, certain terms or, or language, then I have to make sure that, you know, if they said something in the, the first book or they, they use a certain phrase, then I have to right, make sure right. that they use it in the, in the second book just to... Yeah, you've got a lot of characters to keep their characterization straight as well as their voices and the way they speak and think, and that must be a big challenge. <laughs> yeah, you know... Um, so some of the, the characters are, are quite younger. Um, the Shadowless also age differently. You know, um, I think maybe five years of a Shadowless life is equivalent to maybe one of a human. Um, uh-huh. So some some of them are actually quite immature and 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 use basic language and basic um, words, whereas you have you know a character like Clanatar who has a a more extensive vocabulary than some of the others. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, through the process you have improved vastly as an author from day one, where you, you know, started penning out the, the very first rough draft of shadowless. And that's probably been a journey in, a, in of itself. Yeah. Completely. The writing was, was quite um, rough around the edges in the early chapters. And, and like I say, that's where the, the head happened um has has crept in in the early chapters but as it went on then and then yeah it, it grew i have a, I have a really good proofreader i have to say she she not only um improves the, the grammar and and the format but she also questions character motives and, and plot lines okay um so yeah she, she's really really good not cheap but good okay <laughs> Yeah, they they rarely are cheap when they <laughs> it's well, you know, I think I think most of them charge um maybe a penny a word. The first draft of Shadowless had a quarter of a million words. So that's two Let's see if we can half. do the math in our that's, heads here. <laughs> two and a half thousand. Two and a half thousand right off the bat. But she was worth it. Definitely. Excellent. Well, uh, you know, I'm a big Sanderson fanboy, if you haven't picked up on that uh, uh-huh. yet. And he famously has said that when he started writing, he was a, a desk clerk at a hotel. He would work overnight. No one would ever be there. So he'd have tons of time to work. And I think he wrote 10 complete books before he got anything published. And a lot of that initial stuff that he wrote was just crap. And so uh, I I very much sympathize, you know, with your uh, your your journey here to become a, a stronger author. I don't empathize because I <laughs> I haven't gone on the journey myself yet, but I imagine one day that hopefully yeah. I get to that. You'll um if you ever do and you you try and get an agent or a um a publisher then they'll you'll definitely develop a thick skin rapidly. Well thanks so much for being on uh Randall. This has been really interesting for myself and, and for our listeners I'm sure as well. Uh, is there anything else that you would want people to know about your book or where can they get it? How can they support you? Uh, it's available on on Amazon. I'm not too sure if it was available on Barnes & Noble. I think it may be. I'll have to check it out. It's also on an independent platform called Ink Library. But yeah, you know, all, all I can say is it's, it is a slow burner. It's, it's not slow paced, but it does take a little bit of time and get going but if you if you stick with it then then definitely you've read it right you know you, you can vouch for it absolutely yeah and I, I you're very accurate there you do have to be a fan of the epic genre 
And so, uh, and along with that comes a lot of these slower burning chapters, like you say, in the setup. And uh, once again, like Brandon Sanderson's books are not super fast and, but people seem to love those. So uh, I think there would be lots of fans for, for shadowless as well. And it's shadowless one word. The cover has uh, kind of like a, a God rising out of the ocean ominously. So that that's the one you want to look for. Yeah, yeah, it's on Kindle and it's on. Um, it has a good reads page as well, so people can go and check it out. All right, well, thanks so much for being on again, and thanks for listening. This is our first. This is Phantology's first ever author episode. We'll have to come up with some catchy phrase for this series, maybe the Writers Lift series or or something like that. Uh, if you like more Phantology, you can find more at www.phantologybooks. Dot com and you can support the show at patreon.com slash phantology underscore books and once again this has been a review of shadowless with randall mcnally 